Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The late, great Paul Harvey used to say, Good morning, America. It's Friday. And it is Friday, a Beetle Bumper Friday on the Pete Callender Show. Oh, yeah, this will be, I, I, here's my prediction for today, friends. This will be a three-hour program where Pete Callender will have the best bumper music he's ever had. Now, yeah, this is going to be three hours of the best bumper music you will ever hear on the Pete Callender program. Why? Because it's a Beetle Bumper Friday with me, Jason Lewis, in for Pete th- th- today. He's back on Monday. How about that? Uh, can hardly wait. <laughs> I get back to the golf course. He comes back to work. That's the way it should be. Hey, did you hear about Biden today? I don't know if you heard this. Just breaking news. Yeah, apparently Joe Biden was asked about Hunter's laptop and said, I've never been to a strip joint in my life. Why? I don't understand that, but Joe's a little out of it these days, so you just never know. 704-570-1110. Tell you what we want to do on this Beetle Bumper Friday is take a few more calls if we can. Anything on your mind? Speaking of late, great talk show hosts, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, open line Friday. Uh, Happy to do that because there's so darn much in the news. We've focused a lot on the Trump indictment and how frivolous it is. If, in fact, deceiving the voters by putting forth a scheme that the election was stolen is now a criminal act, what are we going to do with Adam Schiff? What are we going to do? I mean, we could go right down the list. Can we not Hillary Clinton? What are we going to do with all of the people who lied, including the media, about Russiagate or Russian collusion? We now know That was a deliberate gaslighting job on the American people. They deceived the voters. And if it's good enough for Trump, when will the indictment on Hillary, James Clapper, John Brennan, Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell? I mean, you can't, a double standard cannot exist in perpetuity, can it not? If now we're criminalizing speech, what what the hell's going to happen to CNN? That's called bankruptcy because they've been lying for years. So this is a a fascinating um, development in, in the left's assault on the Bill of Rights, but it may have a silver lining in, in a couple of ways. Again, to my point, And I'm working on a newsletter right now to this point on jasonlewis.substack.com. I'd encourage you to go there. Um, if, If we now have laid down the template that if politicians and or the media deceive voters. Now, Trump genuinely believed in voter fraud. So, A, that's going to inoculate him. That was a so-called false narrative. And there are a whole lot of people whole lot of people that look at Chicago and say, voter fraud, uh, duh. But if he can get indicted for a so-called false narrative, what about the actual false narratives of the Covington High School kids? Hmm? Uh, what about the actual false narratives of COVID lockdowns work and there was no lab leak in China? 
That was perpetrated by the government, Anthony Fauci, but also by the press. They censored people who disagreed. What about the, the if we're going to sue people and put them in jail for propagating false narratives, what about Hunter's laptop? When 51 former intelligence officials lied to the American people, deceived the voter to quote the indictment, and said it was Russian misinformation. We now know that was obviously a lie. When does the indictment come down, gang? You know, that's the silver lining that they put themselves in the crosshairs. But above and beyond that, uh, if this does go to trial, and I'm not certain it will, I don't, I cannot imagine the Supreme Court upholding this charge. It's so, it's so antithetical to the First Amendment. But if, if it did, Trump would be able to subpoena his lawyers, be able to call up James Clapper, John Brennan, Hunter Biden, Hillary Clinton. I mean, who, who could they not call with regard to this particular case? And say, if the premise is, now, you know, they might not allow all of those. I get it. I get it. But you could delve into Ray Epps at January 6th, what the FBI knew and when they knew it with regard to this. You had, I mean, th- th- this this could be a, a can of worms for a lot of people. Now, granted, the, the left's first object here is to coordinate with the media to get a headline now this is really really important i talk about it in my book party animal but this is how the modern media operate and it's very important you understand this a they're all in bed with democrats they're not journalists they're pseudo journalists who pretend to be reporters but really they're the propaganda arm the press release arm of the democrat party that's what the media are but that's just how you define them Their tactic is this. Give me the headline. Give me a headline. I don't care if we have to retract the headline in in the bulk of the story. And by the way, they did this to me when I was in Congress. Because when you're a talk radio host, you got a lot of headlines, right? But it doesn't matter if they have to retract the essence of their charge in the story four paragraphs down. All you want is a headline that says Trump indicted, right? Pick your favorite Republican. Um, And most people don't go beyond that. That is the tactic. They know that most people have a social media era attention span. And so they look at the headlines. Oh, God, Trump's in trouble again. Wow, what, what a bum. We can't support him. And that's, that's the plan. That's it in a nutshell. They know they're lying. They know this is bull, but they're going to do it anyway because all they want is the headline. So it's up to you. Now, you know, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. I happen to think it for sure worked for a number of decades, maybe in the era of more access to more information. It doesn't work quite as much because if you look at the ratings of cable companies, you look at the number of subscribers to cable. Millions are cutting the cord. Uh, million. Who watches the 10 p.m. news anymore, right? 11 p.m. news if you're on the coasts. Who watches that? So maybe it's not as potent as it once was. But I'm telling you from firsthand experience and just observation, that, my friends, is the tactic. That is the strategy. 
But speaking of firsthand observation... Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners, all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, hey, we are back. Pete Callender Show. You know what? Uh, I remember, in fact, I was on WBT at the time. I do recall when Paul McCartney played the Blockbuster Pavilion at the end of a world tour. I want to say 1993. Am I right, people? We were all out at, it was called the Blockbuster Pavilion in the amphitheater. Uh, I can't remember what they renamed it. A few years back, I saw Rod Stewart there. But uh, this that was a, a nationally televised concert in Charlotte. Uh, all the way back, gosh, 30 years ago now. But that was a great, great, great show. And uh, these are great bumpers. Beetle Bumper Friday continues. Uh, I am Jason Lewis, former congressman and WBT talk show. And I mean, I, I don't want to get into a debate about the Fab Four, but let's be honest. Come on, no other band held a candle to them and still doesn't. Still doesn't. I always love that, that Beatles-Rolling Stones debate. I like the Stones, don't get me wrong, but if there were no Beatles, there wouldn't have been any Stones. That's all I'm saying about that. 704-570-1110. That's 704-570-1110, the contact line here. A good choice for the first Beatle bumper there, Chris. We, um, we've got a couple of downgrades to talk about, and I mean big-time serious downgrades, if you get my drift. Uh, a... Fitch's rating system has downgraded the United States government's debt from AAA to AA. Now, the only question there is what took them so long? You have to understand, my friends, that as recently as a decade ago, a decade ago, the debt has a percent of the economy was what? I mean, 40, 38 percent. In 1970, it was about 22%. The U.S. debt held by the public has a share of the GDP, about 22%. It rose a little bit during the 90s, but then back down to 38%. Nowhere has it been 100% of GDP except during World War II. And then once World War II was over, we paid off all those war bonds in record time with the post-World War II boom. Debt went back down to 15 to 20% of GDP through the post-war period. But today, today, it is 100% of our economy. Our, our national debt of $31, $32 trillion, it rises by the billions every, every hour, is now over Bigger than the whole economy, over 100% of GDP. Now, what does this mean? And why was it downgraded? What it means is interest rates are still going to keep going up, which, which is not going to give us a soft landing. But more importantly, uh, what it means is that Fitch's ratings doesn't believe in our wherewithal, our ability to pay down the national debt, to service the national debt. And here's why. When I was on the Budget Committee during the 115th Congress, we were terrified of this. And then, in 2017, it was half of this. And the reason you get terrified over it is because during what was called the Greenspan put, the Bernanke put, 
What this basically was, you know, if you, you options traders know the difference between a put and a call, but basically what it meant was that every time the economy got a little shaky, Alan Greenspan and Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen would cut interest rates. And we finally cut them to zero. And so that way, government could service the debt at very low rates. So what did they do? They spent and they borrowed more. Because I can borrow, I can float tre- uh, treasury bonds at, at 2%, 1%, half a percent. So let's borrow until the cows come home. And boy, did we ever. When Ronald Reagan took office, the federal government budget was about $500 billion. Today, it's $6 trillion annual budget. We're borrowing a trillion dollars of it, at least. In fact, the deficit's greater than that. So now, interest rates, and this is the statistic that I used, and I'll never forget when I first heard it, but the, the average post-World War II 10-year Treasury bond interest rate, I'm talking about the normal rate, the average rate, not the artificially reduced rate that the Fed has engineered. The average rate is about 5.7%. Now we're paying, what, 4.1%, 4.2%. We've got an inverted yield, but all of the bonds are around 4.1%, 4.2%. They're going up. Mortgage rates are at 7 But if the interest rate returns to that, and we're getting close, do you know how much in interest costs alone the federal taxpayer will incur every year? Over a trillion dollars. This is just like maxing out your credit card. There comes a point after 3,000 here, 13,000 here, 28,000 here, that compound interest overwhelms you, subsumes you, and you can't service the interest because every time you borrow more money, you're paying interest on the money borrowed, then you're paying interest on the interest. That's the magic of compound interest for a creditor. Not so good for a borrower. We're going broke. And we're not going broke. I want to I want to be clear about this because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of misunderstanding. And you, you may be surprised about what I'm going to tell you. We're not going broke because of deficits. We're going broke because of spending. Because of spending. Now, deficits are deferred spending. Deficits is the federal government spending that the politicians don't have the guts to raise your taxes over because it would bankrupt the country. You, you literally could not raise taxes high enough to finance Biden's Build Back Better scheme or all of his tax schemes. So, they borrow. Worse than even borrowing. The federal government then puts, or the, the, the Federal Reserve then puts a credit on the federal government's checkbook and they create money out of thin air. Then you get inflation, then you get high interest rates, and that's where we are. If you, it does not matter how you finance big government. You can tax, you can borrow, or you can inflate. Those are the only three ways to finance government. You can raise everybody's taxes, and that would put us in a recession with to trying to do it enough to pay for government. You can borrow the money, and that's going to raise interest rates in the capital markets. Or you can inflate, print the money, which is exactly what we've done, and that's why no one can afford a home anymore. Cars are going up. Pork prices are going up. Gas is going up. $4 a gallon soon. 
None of it's good. So what's the answer? Cut the damn spending. And, and, and look, I'm a lifelong Republican. I served in Congress as a Republican, but I'm going to be the first to tell you spending is the only subject that neither party is serious about. The, the, the war hawks in the Republican House caucus will give away the farm as long as they get their Pentagon budget. The liberals in the House will give away the farm as long as they get their social transfer payment budget. And when they come to, 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 jogger, or to, to uh, loggerheads, they compromise so they both get increases. I saw it firsthand. I wrote about it in my book. This is the, the crux we're in, or this is the, the, the conundrum we're in that is not going to end well if we don't get a handle on one thing, and that one thing is spending. All right, enough of that. Oh, there's another downgrade I want to talk about, too. Oh, yeah, I'll give you a hint. has something to do with Bud Light. More on that in your calls, 570-1110, when we come back. Stick around, gang. All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. Welcome back to the program. I am Jason Lewis, former congressman and WBT talk show host in for Pete today. Pete will return on Monday. Hallelujah for that. Uh, but today will be the best bumper music you'll ever hear on the Pete Callender Show. I'm just saying, I'm just speaking of that. I mentioned earlier that I was actually at WBT and at the Blockbuster Pavilion. I want to say it was July, so it had to be just about this time of year when Paul McCartney had his nationally televised concert there. It was McCartney at the Blockbuster Pavilion. Doesn't have the name now. But I got to thinking during the break, I wonder, I just wonder if there's anybody out there who was at that show. Now, granted, it's 30 years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to believe. 30 years in 1993. I want to say it was July 1993 at the Blockbuster Pavilion. And it was uh, the end of a world tour nationally televised by Fox, I do believe. What was the name of that thing? It was uh, McCartney Live in the New World at the Blockbuster Pavilion in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was there. Were you? Boy, I tell you. You know what? I'm going to have Chris and George uh, find a gift. Give them a mug or something if somebody calls in and says they were there. That, that's, I doubt it. I mean, it's 30 years ago, right? Either you moved or you can't remember. It happens when you get old. <laughs> 704-570-1110, the contact line here for Jason Lewis. Hope you can uh, give us a call and tell us what's on your mind. Now, I mentioned earlier what what the downgrade on the U.S. debt was all about. And we're going to expand upon that in the 2 o'clock hour a little bit. But I do want to talk about this other downgrade because it's fascinating to me, and I, I need an answer here. So it's earnings season for you stock owners or stockholders. You await with bated breath all the earnings reports from the big companies, their quarterly reports. And lo and behold, 
Anheuser-Busch is taking it in the shorts. Now, globally, they're doing okay. But Bud Light sales will probably never recover or regain the ground they have lost. And yesterday, or two days ago, I should say, no, it was yesterday, I believe, Anheuser-Busch's earnings call, the world's largest brewer, admitted that its United States sales, profit, and market share dropped like a rock in the second quarter as consumers continue to abandon Bud Light following their transgender promotion with Dylan Mulvaney. AB InBev defended their marketing campaign. <laughs> well, then why is the, the, the person that came up with this gone? Uh, there's been a backlash against Bud Light after they became transgender boosters. And the vast majority of beer drinkers and consumers want no part of it. So they've abandoned... Usually you hear about this stuff, but the boycotts rarely work because you can't get enough people to give up their favorite product. People have. Um, This is, you know, the substitute effect for beer, I I would imagine, is very real. And so people have no problem switching, Um, especially between mass-marketed beers because they're not that much difference. Not like micro-brews with IPAs and EPAs and all that. Yeah, its total U.S. beer market share has apparently fallen by over five percentage points to under 40% in the second quarter. Two-thirds of that loss is from Bud Light. Whoa. Whoa. So here's, you know, that's that's a substantial downgrade, right? And there's a real question as to whether they can return. But here's what I don't understand. Why is transgenderism so popular in the press? Why is it ever you can't open the Charlotte Observer or watch the 11 p.m. news without a sympathetic story about people suffering through their gender identity and how we need gender affirming surgery for 10 year olds? It's the most popular thing in the media. And yet juxtapose that to the mass boycott of Bud Light, and there's a total disconnect. You know, Charlotte's Morning News broke a a big story yesterday announcing on their program, or actually Dan Bishop announced, that he was going to leave his 8th congressional district seat he's held for two terms in order to run for the AG's office. What I got a kick out of, and and thankfully um, I don't see it, well, it's in the newspapers for sure, But every time Bishop is mentioned, they always say he was the chief sponsor of the controversial 2016 bathroom bill in North Carolina. Controversial. This is where we are in America, friends. It is now controversial to say that a boy's restroom ought to be for boys and a girl's restroom ought to be for girls. It is now controversial to preclude, to prohibit young men from going into girls' locker rooms. I think 90% of those Bud Light drinkers said, not with my daughter, you're not. And that's why I find this whole disconnect between what average North Carolinians think 
what average Americans think about this insane issue. Am I, look, am I, I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as gender dysphoria. What I'm saying is you let adults handle that. You don't operate on 10-year-olds. And if somebody wants to do something when they're 25, they can do it. But there's a whole lot of kids that grow out of this if they have gender dysphoria. It's a whole lot of kids, tomboys, or effeminate young boys that don't have gender identity problems. They're just different. I thought we, I thought we exalted in our differences. No, we operate. We change them. What an unbelievable state of affairs we have here when that is considered a political issue and people actually support it. But the dirty little secret is they don't support it. The vast majority of Americans don't support it. It is the cultural elites. It is the institutions in this country that have gone awry. I mean corporate America, nonprofit America, the media, government, schools. We are being led, not by people who agree with us, by a a a vaunted elite who think they know better. And nowhere is the example more clear than here. You would not have Anheuser-Busch's share value, its market share, drop in the United States the way it did if Americans, average beer-drinking Americans, thought, you know, this whole transgender operation thing, gender-affirming care, so hospitals can make a boatload of money mutilating your kid. Why, that's a good idea. Uh, Nobody thinks that, and this whole Bud Light thing proves it. And yet, you can't open the newspaper or watch the news without some gender-affirming story on it. We are being governed by a minority viewpoint. Maybe this is what Trump, this this is why Trump threatens them. He's saying no more. I don't know, but I do know something is is uh, this is a big disconnect i do know that let's take a break come back uh, after this with more calls we are back a beetle bumper friday rolls on on the pete calendar show i am jason lewis you might remember our beetle bumper fridays when i was a wbt host i made the office staff in congress play beetle music on fridays too no i just made that up sounded like a good line though Uh, 704-570-1110 right to the phones we go tom you are first up this segment on wbt with me jason lewis hi hey what's going on i was just uh gonna tell you i was at that show as well and you're still living (laughs) i believe uh wasn't linda linda mccartney was still alive then yeah she was she was doing harmony and 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 a few keyboards and uh they had sort of it was sort of a um it was one of the iterations of his his band i mean he they went through wings went through a number of uh background players and stuff but um that was a great show wasn't it 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 sure was it was i remember they gave us some some like light pins or something like that i guess for the video on tv and yeah, yeah, and I remember too. I think it was WBT Television. Uh, basically, got an ambush interview with McCartney as he was staying downtown, and um, he got out of the limo or something. And they grabbed him, and it was a great video clip. Uh, wow. But but that was a fun, fun show, and that was big time for Charlotte. I'll tell you, it, 
It, it was, man. I, I just when you brought that up, it, it brought back a flood of memories. And it's all over the internet now. TV. By the way, that concert. Oh, it is. I, oh, yeah. I, I think I have it on VHS and I <laughs> in good, good uh, video quality. But yeah, I'll have to look that up. Maybe you can find some better video quality. Hey, Tom, thanks for checking in. Here's Steve. You're up next on the Pete Callender Show with your favorite uh, ex-congressman. Uh, yes, I just wanted to comment on the fact that I've been a uh, Bud Light drinker for almost 50 years, and the day I saw that commercial, I took my 12-pack out and I threw it in the trash, and I haven't bought one since, and I feel like there's millions of other people just like myself. And with that being said, that well, is there is will never recover. There is. I mean, obviously, that's the case. Otherwise, you wouldn't be affecting the the market value of a of a multinational corporation. My question is, you would never know it. I mean, you you the the bills. For instance, in in my home state of Minnesota, they just passed a gender affirming bill that if you can't get an operation for your seven year old in in Indiana, by God, come to Minnesota. We'll 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 operate on them all day long. You just have to pay us, you know, thirty grand. Um, why, why are those pieces of legislation happening when clearly the vast majority of Americans don't approve of this? Yes, and the people are standing up now, just like I like to add also that I'll never buy another product from Target. I never will. I used to be a loyal customer, and I'm yep. done with them. So, you know, uh, let, it, let the cars fall where they fall. You got that right. Steve, thank you. And speaking of Target, which is another Minnesota entity, uh, that company has been AWOL for years and years. There is not a corporate HQ in the state of Minnesota that hasn't gone woke. I mean, big time. And Target's leading the way, along with the Minnesota Twins, I might add, uh, and their left-wing owners. Anyway, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your comments. Who's up next here? Let us try David. First in line to get the tickets at the 1993 concert. Are you kidding me? Hey, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? I'm doing terrific. That was uh, an amazing show. That's when uh, rock and roll was rock and roll, huh? Oh, yeah. Music was real. All right. All right. Here's a little trivia question for you, then. You ready? What song did he open the show with? Biker Like an Icon. Oh, you were close. Close. Um. Actually, Biker Like an Icon, that, that album is, is called Off the, uh, Off the Ground. Off the Wall. Off the Ground. Off, off the, off the Wall right. was Michael Jackson, I think. Off, off the Ground and a Biker Like an Icon was on, not my favorite, but Deli- uh, uh, Hope of Deliverance was a fantastic, underrated tune, which he played. But he opened with the Beatle classic, Drive My Car. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, that was, I don't know if you remember... Yeah, but the day those tickets went on sale, um, the crowd was huge to buy them, <clears throat> and so what they did was they had a, a, a drawing, a number like a lottery, yep. and they just distributed them to everybody. Well, I think and it was. Now, correct me if I'm wrong numbers, here, but wasn't the show added as a last minute into that tour because it was going to be nationally televised? It wasn't on the tour, right? You know what? I'm not sure. I think you're right. I, I'm pretty certain of that because he was in South Carolina, in Columbia, um, earlier that summer. And that was going to be the end of the tour. Not that date, but a different date. And then he cut a deal with Fox to do a nationwide 
uh, uh, concert, and and Charlotte yeah. was the place. It was a last minute deal, as I as I recall. That's why the tickets, the ticket line was so huge. Yeah, because it boom, 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 right. Well, we drew number two, and there That's, was no Wonder One. Is that right? And yeah, and uh, well, where were you we seated? Walked, we walked up and got all our tickets, and we're happy and on our way. Where were you seated at the pavilion? We were undercover, probably uh, 250, 300 feet back from the stage. I was, I was actually a little closer than that. Uh, we were undercover, I would say, the next section from the front back. So that's where the second yeah. section began. Were you on well, the tube? Pardon me? Were you on TV? No. <laughs> I, I didn't... Uh, Realized that they were actually filming it for TV. I thought it was for a video or something. No, no, it was live on Fox, and that was that was yeah, when Fox I, I, was sort of a fledgling network. Remember, Fox had yeah, just and started. When they replayed it. I taped it on VHS as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? And I think the name of the whole tour was Paul McCartney Live in the New World. Yeah, it, I remember that because the T-shirts they sold had the the weird looking map and the big square. Yeah, um, with the or a globe or something. Matter of fact, the guy sitting close to me left his T-shirt on the seat, and my wife said, David, look. And <laughs> we waited for about 10 minutes for him to come back, and he didn't. So I said, mine now. Your wife said, look, you waited for a full 30 seconds and said, hey, he's not coming back. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. That is funny, and that's very cool. Hey, thanks for checking in with the story. Absolutely. Coming up next hour, gang, we'll have Eric Bowling of Newsmax. They are surging in the ratings. Eric will tell us why. Also continue with our little uh, McCartney reminiscing as to who was at the concert and what they saw. I can't believe how many people remember this because I thought I was the only one. And then, of course, this whole disconnect between the reaction to Bud Light and the reaction of trans politicians. In fact, my successor in the House of Representatives is a huge booster of transgender transitioning. <laughs> Angie Craig of Minnesota, when you know it. I'm Jason Lewis, second hour on the way, so don't touch that dial. You're on News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT.